It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back. Good to have you here today on the show, Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits, as well as Social Security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans, Social Security disability benefits, and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award in September of 2012 for his contribution as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. And in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for, its, uh, for his outstanding work in disability, disability law. <laughs> for more information, please visit veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks so much, Bert. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always good to have you here. And, you know, at our last show, uh, you know, we talked quite a bit about uh, new legislation and, and, and that, would, that was geared to helping veterans. I wanted to talk about existing legislation. Are there any important developments there? I, th- I think so, Bert. There was a, a, uh, a law that uh, I don't think you and I have talked about, but it was passed back in 2017. Um, you know, it's called the Fairness for Veterans Act. And, and the purpose of that law was to help veterans who have gotten um, discharges that were either bad conduct discharges or discharges under uh, less than honorable conditions, that sort of thing, what, what are referred to uh, by veterans a lot as bad paper discharges. And the, the significance of those discharges is that they bar people from getting veterans' benefits in most cases. So the purpose of the act was to require that the military review boards take into account whether the person had a uh, mental health issue that led to the conduct that in turn led to the uh, bad discharge. And uh, what, what they found, and the, the reason that the law was passed, was that a lot of folks who got bad discharges were folks who were suffering from PTSD or, or a variety of other mental health issues, but primarily PTSD. And so um, the, the purpose of the law was to make it possible for those folks to apply for and to be reasonably fairly considered for a discharge upgrade that would make them eligible for VA benefits and, and various other benefits, but particularly VA benefits. And what, uh, what they found is that the word hasn't really gotten out um, as much as it should. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to your audience today about this particular bill. Um, it's really important that if anyone has a bad discharge as a result of 
having been in combat and having PTSD or having other um, mental health issues, uh, serious depression, whatever, then uh, they should take that discharge to their service branch correction of records uh, section and ask them to consider an upgrade of the discharge. So, for example, if you're an Army uh, uh, person, then it goes to the Army Board of Corrections, uh, and uh, each each of the services has its own board that consider these things. But uh, one of the one of the things that uh, the Veterans Clinic at Harvard Law School found was that lots of uh, lots of folks who've been discharged in the last oh, 40 years or so, that's about as far back as they went, um, had uh, bad conduct discharges that had never been uh, reviewed or considered for upgrade. And so just trying to get the word out here that uh, it's really important if you know anybody that had these kinds of problems in the service and has not uh, pursued a discharge upgrade that they should really do that. It's really important. It may bring them... Uh, significant uh, medical treatment benefits as well as uh, monetary benefits. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really something that uh, I hope we can get the word out about. Sure. So, uh, so just so I uh, understand, uh, if, if you were discharged under this, you know, whatever, this bad paper, you, were, you, were, had a, you received a bad discharge, and it was due to a mental issue, you can go to your branch of service and say, hey, I would like my discharge to be updated or upgraded or whatever uh, because I had this mental uh, situation. Here's, here's the documentation. And, and if the Army accepts that, then you would be entitled to your benefits? That's correct, Bert. And, and the, uh, the disappointing part is that of all the folks who have had bad discharges, um, since this bill went into effect, uh, less than 1,600 people have actually applied to have their discharges upgraded. So there's a there's a large number of folks out there with these bad discharges that have simply either not gotten the word or decided that uh, they they uh, didn't you know they weren't up to pursuing it. But I I I am hopeful that it's in large part because they hadn't gotten the word and that our efforts today will get the word to some of them. Absolutely. Yeah, this is incredible. And, and I'm so grateful that the uh, military is doing that because it's, there are people who, uh, you know, who go into the military and, and they're fine, but we also know that me- mental problems can, uh, you know, you go in when you're 19 and maybe your mental disability doesn't show up until you're, you know, 25 or 30 and it ruins a career, it ruins a great career. That can happen. Man, and, that's you know, incredible. So, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that some of these folks uh, obviously were uh, in combat in uh, either Iraq or Afghanistan and and uh, were exposed to some fairly horrific situations that you know, brought on the, the conduct that's being complained of. So it's, uh, it's really important to, to try and get the word out to folks that if they have a bad discharge, not to, not to give up on the VA, but to... Uh, seek a correction of their discharge. Sure. And, and so if, if you have the documentation, you presented it to the, the VA or the military, 
and nothing happens, obviously uh, they can go and uh, and you can help them with that. Veteransbenefits.com. They can go there and maybe uh, talk to you or talk to somebody in your office about what's happening with, with their mental status. Yep. Yeah. You know, the, it's important, if, uh, if if at all possible, for them to get something from somebody that they've treated with, explaining what uh, the issues were and, and why that should uh, why that should be factored in. But uh, you know, uh, it's it's not always uh, it's not always as straightforward as it looks. But it's really important and, and certainly worth trying. No, absolutely. And, you know, look, at this point, you've already been denied benefits. Worst case scenario, uh, you just get another no. Uh, best case scenario, you you go to veteransbenefits.com or, 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 and you get some help and maybe they can reverse it. So I think it's it's worth a try. Um, any other any other new developments in legislation? Yeah, um, one that uh, that's really important for older veterans um, uh, and by older veterans, I mean folks who were in uh, the World War II era or Korea or Vietnam. Um, you know, uh, there's a, uh, a, a, an expansion of an existing VA program. Uh, originally, there was a program that allowed for caregivers um, to... Uh, to be paid by the VA uh, monthly cash stipends, travel expenses, um, and uh, supportive counseling, uh, comprehensive VA caregiver training, um, and up to 30 days of, uh, of respite care a year for caregivers for uh, folks who were, uh, you know, seriously injured or, or limited by their um, um, their service-related uh, problems, right. and that was that was originally limited to only folks who suffered a qualifying injury on or after September 11th of 2001, and then they expanded it back to uh, May of 75, which is basically picking up uh, most of the VA, most of the, the Vietnam vets, but. Um, They've now expanded it all the way back uh, to any uh, any veteran, any any living veteran. So now uh, folks can uh, get benefits for a caregiver if they were in World War II or Korea, um, and the early Vietnam folks who weren't uh, weren't covered earlier. So it's a it's a big deal, and you know for for those folks it's uh, it's really important because we're talking about an, an older group of veterans who are much more statistically likely to need a, a caregiver because of various infirmities and illnesses. So uh, that's really an important expansion, and I'm, I'm very pleased to see that uh, that's happened. Yeah, no, I, I'm very happy to see that. That's incredible. Um, any any uh, developments or any additional help for older vets? Yeah, um, the um, the other thing that's going on, uh, and this is not widely known, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to make sure that we mentioned it. 
Um, military veterans can use their Department of Veterans Affairs benefits to help pay for long-term care, and it's it's a complicated process, and you know that will obviously uh, put some people off. But there are um, there are uh, ways to get a certain amount of long-term care covered by the the Veterans Health Administration. Um, you know, you can you can apply, and uh, it doesn't have to be uh, just those who have service-related disabilities. It can be veterans who are unable to pay for the cost of care. There, there may be some co-pays depending on the person's income level, but uh, there is uh, there is money available to uh, to help with long-term care, uh, particularly in in veterans' homes, but also in, in regular nursing homes and that sort of thing, and. There are two other programs that the VA has that help veterans receive in-home care. Um, one is the, uh, the VA's own uh, aid and attendance program, uh, which provides for veterans who are too limited to care for themselves. It, um, it provides uh, monthly benefits to eligible veterans and their, their spouses. And it can be used in some cases to purchase home and community-based long-term care services, uh, wow. including personal caregiver assistance. Uh, there's also a, a separate program called the Veterans Directed Care Program, which uh, again provides uh, money to purchase services, counseling, and other support um, provided through the Aging Network, which contracts with the, uh, the VA for this particular program. So there are a bunch of services. You know, this covers things like 24-hour-a-day, uh, uh, seven-day-a-week nursing and medical care, physical therapy, um, helping with uh, activities of daily living, such as bathing, dressing, meals, managing your medicine, can help with uh, pain management, um, support for caregivers. Uh, it can even, uh, uh, you know, have have uh, access to these programs in uh, in places that are, that are that do not have VA facilities. It can be uh, in an assisted living center, in a nursing home, even in a private in a private home, uh, as well as uh, adult day day health care centers. So it's a it's an important benefit, and I, again, it's it's one that you don't hear a lot about, and I've I have found that. A lot of folks don't know about it, so I'm just trying to make sure that we get the word out that these benefits are there and they're good benefits and important for lots of uh, lots of folks. You know, uh, I'm a little younger than uh, the World War II vets, but I'm I'm right up there in the group with the Vietnam vets, and I know that uh, I I know plenty of people that need uh, need help, and I'm sure there are others that I uh, certainly many many thousands more that I don't know, but we. Uh, we just need to get the word out to folks that these benefits do exist, and while they're, they're, uh, there's a fair amount of paperwork to access them, they, they are there, and it's important to go after them if you need them. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it's incredible. That's a lot of benefits that I'm sure most people are not aware about, and that's just incredible to me uh, that uh, – you know, again, that's all available. I mean, that that's just amazing. Uh, 
Yeah, so you said it's a little complicated, but bottom line is it, it, they're there, and I'm sure that they're, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's, if, if it's uh, up to me kind of a thing, I'd rather go through the complicated paperwork than, and hopefully save a bunch of money than, than uh, what do you call it, than not do the paperwork and have to pay everything out of pocket. Exactly, exactly, Bert. You know, it's, uh, you know, like any like any bureaucracy where programs are controlled by government uh, regulations. You know, there's there's just you, you've got to jump through the hoops. But but these are good benefits, and they are there, and uh, you know, it's important that people know about them. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, interestingly enough, you mentioned, hey, I'm I'm not as old as, you know, some of these World War II vets, but you know, I, I kind of. Uh, you know, uh, I'm a kind of a in that Vietnam era type age. So that prompted me to ask you this: What about younger vets? Is there any new help for them? Um, actually, Bert, there's there's one program that, or it's not really fair to call it a program. It's a continuation of an existing program. But there's there's one important thing going on that is is primarily for younger vets. Um, it has to do with the GI Bill. What what Congress has done is they've approved a measure to um, essentially extend GI Bill benefits into next year because so many people this year um, did not get typical college classes because of the pandemic. Uh, lots of right. places either were virtual only or had other restrictions. And so Congress approved a measure last week to uh, allow veterans to continue to receive full GI benefits into the next school year, even even though um, some of these folks uh, would otherwise have been ineligible because their benefits would have run out, and you know as you as I know you know uh, some colleges just plain shut down uh, for a period of time because of the uh, pandemic and everything, and so uh, the. The Congress went ahead and approved a an emergency fix to allow uh, students to keep their full amount of benefits, even if the even if the school was closed, and to extend their benefits to make up for that essentially, so that uh, the Secretary of of the VA uh, has been given authority to make sure that the GI Bill benefits continue without interruption during uh, this national emergency and any future national emergencies. We, that that was supposed to end in December of this year, but they've now extended it through uh, December of 2021 in order to make sure that this uh, problem doesn't come back and, and uh, you know, preclude veterans from effectively using their, uh, their GI benefits. They most of those folks, as you know, rely on monthly stipends from the VA to pay for housing and food and other bills. And technically, when the schools shut down, they were no longer eligible to receive that stuff. But, you know, these aren't guys who had jobs. These, right. were, these are students who, who suddenly didn't have a school. So Congress has, uh, has uh, it stepped up to extend that initially, and now they've extended it through December of 2021. And so that's that's uh, going to be a uh, an important thing, um, and they have uh, to make sure that that veterans continue to get uh, 
the income they need to, to live on and pay their bills, uh, what they have included in there is uh, an interesting little wrinkle. I'm sure you know, um, being the the, uh, the parent of several children, that uh, financial aid from um, schools sometimes includes work study. And yes. if, uh, if the school is shut and people aren't working at work study, they're not getting paid. So the, uh, the bill actually includes a provision to pay uh, veterans who were otherwise eligible for work study uh, that, that equivalent amount of money so that they could continue to live even though the, uh, the college, uh, for whatever reasons, was not able to offer the work study program to them because of the pandemic. So it's, a, it's just a, it's a, it's a nice thing and, and, as you mentioned earlier, primarily applicable to younger veterans. Yeah, that is actually very nice. I, I, again, I appreciate the VA doing that. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned COVID a couple of times. Uh, how is COVID affecting our vets? Well, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're talking about a population that includes uh, a lot of older folks and folks with underlying health conditions. So uh, to date, um, over 3,500 VA patients have died from uh, from COVID. Um, you know, it's uh, a, a mortality rate of 5.5%, uh, which is much higher than the, the overall average for the population, which is about 2.8%. Um, and, you know, that's because, as we said, there are a lot of older folks and a lot of folks with uh, underlying health conditions, which is why they're in VA care in the first place. But it's, uh, it's it, you know, it's just sad to see that so many people uh, have uh, have died from this. And unfortunately, uh, as I'm sure you've seen all over the news, there's a there's a rising uh, incidence of of new COVID cases. Um, we lost 825 people in August, which was uh, the sharpest uh, spike they'd seen so far. And the September numbers aren't out, but I'm I'm guessing that uh, uh, that's uh, that's going to be similar because the um, the active cases are currently at or above 4,000 at the moment, and so uh, there's a there's a continuing increase in both September and October. Uh, the first two weeks of October are uh, are even higher, so it's just tough. Um, looks like uh, October is going to be uh, we're going to lose another 450 vets and bring us to 70,000 overall. It's it's uh, those are pretty grim milestones, but that's that's what's going on. The uh, the other the other kind of little piece of that. Um, well, it's not a little piece. It's actually a big piece. Um, one thing that that the House has done it hasn't reached the Senate yet, but the House passed a bill that would require the uh, VA in these death cases to record on the death certificate any service-connected disabling conditions. And now that may sound like an odd thing, but let me explain why yeah. it, why it's important. What's going on is 
in order for a surviving spouse uh, or in rare cases children under 18 to get benefits on the account of a deceased veteran you have to show in most cases there there's some special exemptions but those are pretty narrow but there's the the ordinary rule is that you have to show that the veteran's death was due to a service-connected disability you know for example um, someone died of pneumonia and they had service-connected COPD you, know, you can appreciate why that's uh, why that's significant but what they were what they're doing on these um, with death certificates in many cases is they're simply listing the cause of death as, as uh, COVID or, you know, death due to the due to virus, whatever. And the reason why listing the uh, underlying service-connected disabilities is important is that the survivors are going to have to show, <coughs> excuse me, survivors are going to have to show that the um, underlying disability caused or contributed to the death in order to be eligible for survivor benefits. So it's very important that that be recorded and it's going to be far easier for the survivors if it's actually recorded on the death certificate so that they don't have to do, be fighting about those issues. And so um, this House bill is just intended to make sure that as the VA loses uh, these patients to COVID, they at least take uh, every possible precaution to ensure that benefits that would otherwise be available to spouses or uh, minor children are preserved to the greatest extent possible. Yeah. Uh, that okay. So just just clarify for me one more time. So on the death certificate, they would like the just the the I guess. Uh, I guess clarify that portion for me. What is it that they want on the on the death certificate? Yeah, they're, they're, the the House bill would require that the VA list on the death certificate any service-connected disabilities. And now, in some gotcha. cases, that won't make any difference because it's it's not related. But in a lot of cases, it will make a difference because, in fact, um, the uh, the relationship between the service-connected disability and the cause of death becomes pretty obvious. You know, if you were uh, unfortunately exposed to one of the burn pits in Afghanistan or uh, Iraq and developed uh, COPD and then COVID uh, attacks your lungs uh, and you die, you know, there's a there's a fairly obvious relationship there. And so if that if that underlying condition is noted on the death certificate. Um, it makes it much easier for the survivors to pursue that claim and hopefully to get benefits without um, spending years in, in appeals to try to prove it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. And it totally makes sense. Obviously, if, as you mentioned, yeah, your, 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 da your lungs were damaged because of the burn pits. And, and so the, the COVID is more likely to cause your death because of that pre-existing damage, which is obviously related to your military service. That's a clear causational link. And as you said, hey, if, if you're willing, if they can get that on the death certificate, it just makes it that much easier for the military to keep paying the family that they're entitled to those benefits. 
That's right, Bert. That's that's the whole point here is to to try to avoid some of the horror shows that we see where people go through years of appeals to have to prove that stuff. Where where the the House bill was intended essentially to try to shortcut or short circuit that problem and uh, avoid the necessity for um, lots of uh, of uh, you know time spent pursuing these benefits and instead to try to make it possible for a grieving spouse to get the benefits relatively quickly. Right. Absolutely. Get one less one less headache that they have to worry about. And, and ladies and gentlemen, definitely if if you have somebody in mind and as you're listening to today's show, you're thinking, oh, this might help so and so, definitely send it over to so and so. Let's help as many veterans as possible. Let's help their families. Even though maybe they're doing fine or you think they're doing fine and they don't have any physical disabilities, they may be entitled to some benefits. They may be entitled to some mental assistance there. Check out veteransbenefits.com. Share this episode with them. Let's help as many people as we can with these benefits. It's such a a long, drawn-out process for many of our uh, brave men and women. So let's make sure and help them out. Uh, Francis Jackson, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. It's always a pleasure. And I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate the work that you guys do there at veteransbenefits.com. And, and again, thank you so much for stopping by today. Well, thank you, Bert. I really appreciate the chance to get the word out to your audience about these things. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Good stuff there you- from Francis Jackson. Uh, again, he is the uh, founding partner of Jackson McNichol or VeteransBenefits.com. And please, ladies and gentlemen, let's share this episode with everyone you know. If uh, Again, even if they haven't reached out to you, you don't have to say anything other than, hey, you know, uh, I just heard this program. Looks like this guy helps veterans get their benefits and send it over to them. They may not need any help, but I guarantee you they probably know somebody who needs help. Sometimes these benefits can take literally decades to get. Francis has uh, unfortunately uh, told me several, you know, several stories, uh, actual cases that took decades for the military to recognize the disability and pay the veterans. Uh, their benefits. So this is important. It's it's something that uh, a lot of our veterans are suffering in silence. So if you ever come across somebody that's a veteran, just just mention to them, hey, if they ever have any questions, if they ever possibly kind of maybe need help with their disability or know somebody that does, veteransbenefits.com. It's very easy to remember, veteransbenefits.com. Again, thank you so much. Remember, my friends, this is such an important thing, and, and that's why I'm harping on making sure that you share it, making sure that the word gets out. Remember, you will create your seat. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch, and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.